Welcome to Mates in Courage, brought to you by Good News Unlimited. Be part of a conversation between Graham Hood, champion fisherman, airline pilot and school dropout, and Ali Gonzalez, wannabe fisherman and holder of more useless degrees than you can poke a stick at. What could these two possibly have in common? The fact that neither of them have anything to hide. That's what. Mates in Courage. Take a listen. G'day, Graeme. How are you, mate? All the better for seeing you, old fella. I love that shirt. You know what? I was wearing um, a floral shirt. Yeah. It's, uh, my wife got it for my birthday. Well, that's why I love it. It reflects my, my mood. Yeah. My positive in an optimism, or what, or maybe how she would like me to be. Uh-huh. <laughs> I tell you what, I, um, uh, you called me an old fella, which is a bit shocking. But uh, I said to my wife this morning before I left to come and see you that just uh, in the in the shop, some of the shop assistants in the last few weeks, they've been asking, just to make small talk, they've been asking if I'm retired. So I must look old. I thought you were retired. No, I work full time. Work? Yeah, work. I know. It's kind of making a... podcasts work. Yeah, well, it is for me. Okay. Yeah. Cool. It's uh, flying planes uh, and watching beautiful scenery underneath your work and watching the sunrise and all that? Yeah, it is. Yeah, okay. It is. You'd rather be here in, on your farm. Yeah, I'd rather watch it from here. Yeah. With someone I love. All right. I'm very aware of the thing, the things that make me happy nowadays. I so you've changed? Yeah. What is it that's changed? Well, experience in life has taught me that I can't keep playing the same game over and over again and expecting a different result. That's the definition of insanity. Have you been doing that for a while, have you? Haven't we all? <laughs> <laughs> My whole life's been doing that. Doing so so I guess how is it that we grow and become aware of the cycles of our lives and our behaviours uh, to the point that we're able to break those instead of – because most people never do. I reckon I've got this thing where I think that most people are very unaware of themselves, yeah. why they act the way they do, why their relationships always end up at the same points, you know, why they keep falling and stumbling and the same issues in their lives, why things, you know, make them sad. And most people don't know, never work it out. They're, they're just living for that – gratification of the moment, you know? Okay, this makes me happy, so I'll do it. Mm. Um, so what is it, given that you call me an old fella, the old codger? That's a term of endearment. I'm older than you are. I know, a little bit. You keep slightly, reminding slightly, me that I yeah, am anyway. Slightly. Mm. So what is it in your life that brought some self-awareness so you could break those cycles? I come to realise that there are things in my life where the pain exceeded the gain. <laughs> yes. And I thought... I'm sick of the pain, so that led to dumping the uh, the behaviour or the habit. But it took a lot of pain, didn't it? it? Took a lot of pain, yeah. A lot of pain, yeah. You had to hit rock bottom. You can't climb out of the pit until you get a foothold on the bottom of it. Why is it that a lot of people seem to wallow in that pain for a whole lifetime and never get it? Because they're scared of what they're going to see on the outside of the pit. They don't know what they're going into. They're familiar with pain and they, they can live with it. They've learned to live with it and they, they understand. Yeah. But everything they see is through the knothole of their own pain and they and everything they see warns them that, you know, it's better the dog you know than the dog you don't know. That's true, isn't it? We, we learn to live with our pain mm-hmm. 
and to take comfort from it in a sense, like we say, that's just how I am. Mm-hmm. That's just how this marriage is, yep. you know, or that's just how life is, or yep. that's just how people are, and we just justify everything. And so, yeah, and it's a, it's a weird thing that as human beings we, we come to love our pain and not realise that there's something better. We do, and it's like I've told the story about the dingo and the kangaroo in the, yeah, in the tank. Um, so I won't go through that again, but if we've grown up in a sewer, we tend to want to jump back into it if we're set mm. free. Mm. How many people reoffend to get back into prison because they know their life in prison? Well, heaps from what I, what yeah. I read. Yeah, the, the rates of recidivism. Is it recidivism or revidicism? No, the first one. The first one. The rates. The rates <laughs> Can't of re- say it. <laughs> the rates of recidivism um, are very high because yeah, you know, there's that great movie, The Shawshank Redemption. Did you ever yeah, see? Yeah, I have. Yeah. And there was an old fellow in there who was free for a little while, and he kept going back in. And then when he realised he couldn't do anything to go back in, he hung himself because mm. the uncertainty of a better future was just too much for him. He'd much rather be in the familiar pain. Yeah. He got three square a day. He was isolated, but that didn't matter. He was locked away. That didn't matter. He knew the people in there. But I thank God for my pain. Um, Now? Now I do. My life's different now, and I'm enjoying, if I am enjoying Mellow, Mm -hmm. I think I am, then it's because I've been through the hardship. And uh, there's a great line in the serenity prayer, and it's accepting hardship as a pathway to peace. And you, you don't know how good life can be unless you've been in the garbage for a while. Mm. And when you get out in the clean air and it smells good, you it's very easy to fall in love with that if you trust it. I just love in the stories of Jesus in the Bible mm. how uh, he's always meeting people in the garbage. Yeah. And that's where lives get turned around. I can't think of one successful time when Jesus meets people uh, when they're not in the garbage and, you know, their lives are transformed at that, yeah. that moment. And I think that is because when we reach rock bottom, that's the point at which we, we realise that our worldview, the way we see ourselves, the way we see others and the world, it doesn't work for us. And it's the hardest thing in the world to come to understand, to get this self-awareness, to be able to look back at your life, look, look into your life, as it were. I think you know, it's something that the Spirit of God helps us do, whether we acknowledge it or not, whether we're Christians or not. Mm. You know, But it's the hardest thing in the world to come to the point where you say, well, my worldview doesn't work for me. There has to be something better. Mm. And I think in the, in, in the stories of Jesus, that's the point at which Jesus touches lives. That's the point at which they're prepared to accept his his offer of of healing and and grace and say, hey, there is something better. There's there's a new life. There's mm. freedom. Mm. You can change. Your world can change because you will change, and then you'll see it in a different way. Your relationships can change, but it all starts with that self awareness. You know, I mean, you quoted the Serenity Prayer, but you know, it's. Overcoming your denial. And one of the one of the things that we deny in life is that there is more. The pain that you're experiencing, the the vicious cycles in your relationships and of your failure and falls, they don't define you. They don't have to define you. And no matter how stuck you think you are in them, there is more. Mm. But to do that, it takes self-awareness, it takes a lot of reflection. And I think it's the Spirit of God that helps us do that, whether we acknowledge it or not. Uh, because 
it's been so hard for me to come to a point of self-awareness. It's been so painful. It's been subconscious and conscious and at the same time it's very hard to describe and it's been a long process but boy is it is it worth it well the first step in 12-step recovery program is essential in whether you're doing the 12-step recovery program or not and that's to realize that you're in denial yeah that's right you know denial is is uh, it's not a river in egypt as they say in the 12-step movement um denial is something that keeps you withdrawn and isolated denial is something that keeps you stuck in the insanity of your life because you don't want to face the reality. I mean, a lot of people, a lot of people can have the house on fire and say, oh, it'll be all right, it'll be okay, the, the sprinkler system will kick in soon. You know? Now, there's that kind of optimism which, which might be good in everyday life, Ooh. but there are times when that kind of optimism can burn you to death as well. Ooh. So, you know, the sprinkler system might not kick in, so shouldn't you be actually extricating yourself from the burning house? Ooh. Ooh. That's an example of what it means to step out of Ooh. denial. I'm living in a burning house and I have to get out Ooh. of it. And sometimes you've got to accept that you actually lit the fire that's burning the house down. Sure. So, or, or that you held the hand that lit the fire. Yeah. You know, and, and I think the reality is, in my opinion, is that most people in the world are actually in denial. Yep. I mean, how many of your pilot friends are in denial? Most everybody. They don't know it, but most people in the world are. Well, I'm in denial. Yeah. And the really freeing thing about this journey to self-awareness is that it never ends. No, There's always only, more. Only when you die. Yeah. Every six months or so, Graham, you, you send me a message, you know, or you have a chat to me, and you tell me that you've had a, a revelation about yourself. Yeah. You know, because Michelle told you something and you thought about it and it really hit home mm. and you realise this about yourself that, you know, you told me recently something, you know, that sometimes you reacted too harshly, too quickly with people. Yeah. Or... Or that, you know, the gods reveal something to you, you know, just in your own devotional life in your, as you read the Bible, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so the journey never ends. And the more you, you're willing to learn what the Holy Spirit, because it really is the Spirit of God, wants to show you about yourself, the more joy and peace and freedom that you find. So, you know, I mean, I look at you, Graham, and often I think you've made it. But made then you what? have you've got another step in in self awareness. I made the hot house you looked at this. Oh, morning. that was a great hot house. I made the gate on the secret garden you looked at this morning. Yeah, but you know you never make yourself. <laughs> you can't. You can't. I just see that um, every day is an opportunity to learn. The one thing I've learned later in life is that my friends have to be authentic. I want my friends to be authentic with me, and I want them to allow me to be authentic with them. Because I want my character to grow and I want their character to grow because Ooh. I love them. They're my friends. Ooh. Now, if I see someone who's in a behaviour that I think is damaging their character, what kind of friend am I if I don't call them on it? Sometimes I'm too harsh. Ooh. I admit that. I'm learning that the hard way. That's, now, that's another aspect of my character that I'm learning about. Ooh. And I'm grateful when it's pointed out Ooh. to me. Michelle told me not long ago to pull my head in. Not in a nasty way. She says, you need to pull your head in sometimes. Mm. And she was right, and I thanked her for it. There would have been a time in my life where if someone said that to me, I would have arced up. Mm. But when, when I know I'm about to receive some kind of criticism, I don't see it as a judgment. I see it as an assessment to begin with because I believe judgment is a system assessment with condemnation attached to it. If somebody's assessing me without condemning me, I can 
take it on board and eat the watermelon and spit out the seeds, take the things on that I need to, because I've had such a dark character. As anybody who's heard my testimony will know, my character was in a very bad place, and it was damaged and soiled and stained, and I hated my character. And when I realized that Jesus died on the cross so a filthy porn addict like me can have a second chance, I thought, I don't have to live with that character anymore. It's going to take a long time to clean it up and get it ready. In fact, it'll take forever for that to happen. And as long as I live this uh, this worldly life. Yeah. But I, my journey is to perfect my character. And sometimes that means I have to cop it on the chin. I have to make hard decisions. Sometimes it means I need also to be tough with other people um, and, and see what comes from that too. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's not. Every time I'm in an interaction that's deeply personal with somebody, I grow and I pray that they grow as well. Yeah. I was talking to a, a friend of mine who listens to these podcasts and he, he suggested that we should make them a bit more practical on some mm-hmm. of them. Mm-hmm. He loves a podcast, but then he's thinking, what's, you know, what about, you know, what do I need to do to improve in some of these areas? So I'm reflecting on what you were just talking about, Graham. Here's some practical things, I think, mm-hmm. in terms of growing in self-awareness. And they just come out of what you've been saying, really. One thing is that no, no man is an island. Mm-hmm. Right? We were created to be in community. Mates encourage, in a sense. Yep. Right? And I, I believe that even when God saves us, he saves us so that we can be in community. So in terms of self-awareness, it's very important to be in Christian community whatever that looks like. At the simplest level, it can mean having someone who's going to be honest and transparent with you and tell you the truth about what they, what they see in your life. And it, they might not always be right, but who has the courage to tell you that. Yeah. You know, someone that you can be accountable to as well, you know, accountability partner. Yeah. I mean, that's really important. You need to have those sort of relationships where, where you can cut out all the garbage, all the facade, all the fake stuff and just be honest. Yeah. Uh, because if you can't do that, you know, you, you can't get below the surface and actually become self-aware and do anything uh, with your life. So that's at the simplest level. That you might be part of a group, yep. accountability group, a yep. 12-step program, a church, a, you know, a Bible study, whatever it is. But you're not there just to learn, you know, spiritual doctrinal stuff or get head knowledge. You're actually there to build relationships, which is what, which is what God wants you to do. Wants you to Honest, transparent relationships. The other thing I'd say is, or related to that, is you need to learn to listen. Mm-hmm. You need How to many l- ears have you got? Two. How many mouths have you got? Oh, sometimes I think I've got 17. <laughs> um, you need to learn to listen. Yeah. And you need to learn to listen to, to your wife your husband, you need to learn to listen to your kids. Mm. You need to learn to listen to your, your friends, your mates. Anytime they give you any feedback about yourself, it takes a lot of courage for them to do that, and that should be honoured. You know, you've got, to, you've got to take that on board. Absolutely, 100%. I, I want friends yeah. who are prepared to take Absolutely. a risk with me. Now, the other thing is... And, and to... I was going to say, you need to listen to God, Yep, to the Holy Spirit. Yep. which is the most important thing in terms of developing self-awareness in your life. You know when you've done something stupid or oh. wrong because your gut tells you, but that's the Holy Spirit telling you. That's right. Now, the other person we need to listen to is ourselves in honesty. We need yep. one of the best bits of practical advice in this area is to be honest with and about yourself. 
Why does this keep happening to me? Why is everyone around me stupid? Why is everyone around (laughs) me angry? What's the common denominator in the situation you find yourself in? If everyone around you is angry, then is it you? You know, we teach what we most need to learn. And the essence of our communication is often in the response we get. If people get keep getting angry with us, it's because we're projecting something that makes them feel defensive. Mm. It's being able to look at the situation you find yourselves in and the, the situation that exists around you and ask, what am I doing to contribute to the climate of this relationship or the climate of this situation? Am I feeding this or destroying mm. it? And quite often we destroy it without even knowing it. Yeah. You know, the reality is, and it's a psychological principle, the Johari window, is that uh, we ourselves only understand a fraction, a small fraction of the reality about ourselves. Mm. And that the ones who actually understand the majority about ourselves and our behaviour are other people. Now, that doesn't mean that what other people tell you is right. You know, you're an idiot, you're a, you know, whatever, you're useless, whatever. I'm not saying you take all that on board. But that's why I'm saying you, you do need to listen in a discriminating and wise way. I've never got much use out of self-help books, no, really. Neither. I mean, I used to read a lot of that stuff because I was right into leadership. I was, you know, professionally into that for many years. Uh, leadership development. I'll grow. You laugh at this because you're a doctor. I'm a doctor. I'm not a medical doctor, so don't come to me with your coronavirus and whatever. Um, can't help you there. Before I moved to where I live now, I live in a unit. I was going through a lot of my old papers and throwing a lot of stuff out because we had to downside. Mm-hmm. And there was a, a a report that I'd done on this very exhaustive uh, psychological survey. You did it, and it gave you a big report on your conflict management style. Have a guess, Graham. I'm putting you on the spot. What would be my preferred conflict management style from what you know of me? You put me on the spot. I have. Are you going to give me any options? Yeah, it starts with A. Assertive? No. Aggressive? No. What is it? It's avoidance. Ah, avoidance. Avoidance. Ah. And I remember when I read that report 20 years ago, I read it and I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, okay. All right. So some people think, because it was all based on 360 feedback. Out of that, like 20 people, 25 people commenting on me, doing a survey on me. So it's pretty accurate. And I never thought that was true of me, but it never registered at the time. I would never have picked that of you. No, it is true, right? It is true. But I'm manipulative, so I avoid in manipulative ways. So it never registered at the time. And I had read it at the time, so yeah, okay, that's pretty good. I'm happy with that report. I pulled it out early this year and read it again. I was horrified. Why the change in how I read that report? Because now I recognise that in me. I'd become more self-aware and I was horrified that that's the way that I had used to be. Conflict avoidance. You know I'm codependent, Graham. So Mm. avoidance. I've got an altering view to that. No, okay, well, you can. Uh, I was absolutely horrified now when I read it because I, now, unlike then, I could see all that in me, but I had also changed, which is why you never knew me 20 years ago and I was already on the journey, Graham. What I'm saying is I never got much help from all those surveys. I did a lot of them, psychological surveys, self-help books, because it never really registered. What I did get help from was... Just being broken by life. (laughs) 
Isn't that true? It's a gift. Yeah. It's a Hard gift. Hard to see it as a gift when you're being smashed, yeah. but it's a gift. Yeah. And learning to listen. Yeah. You, you know, to my wife, learning to listen to you. I mean, for how many years did you tell me you've got to get your, over yourself, Ellie? Yeah, it was a bit hard on you though, wasn't it? I didn't know what you were saying, yeah. so it didn't register, you know, but now I've got some more self-awareness. I understand it and I appreciate it and I know where you are nudging me towards. But see, I've never ever seen you as, uh, what was the A word again? Avoidance. Avoidance, because uh, I've known you, you and I have stood together in conflict. Mm. And I don't see you as someone who walks away from conflict at all. Um, when you believe that's, that there's an injustice involved, you don't step away. No, not where there's some values that are, that are transgressed. Values are important. There are some boundaries there, yeah. There are some boundaries. But if you think about some of the personal issues I've faced in my life that you and I have discussed, there's been a lot of avoidance there. Mm. There's been a lot of avoidance within myself, of myself, you know, and in my relationships. I've avoided the truth. How valuable is your moral compass? Oh, it's, it's way up there. You've got to have integrity. I lived for many years, and this is self-awareness too, I lived for many years with stress and tension and a lack of peace in my life, and I didn't know where that came from, and that's because, you know, my moral compass was being continually transgressed, and because of pornography, and because there was a, you know, disjoint between who I wanted to be and who I portrayed myself as being and, and in reality, you know, uh, the reality of my life. And I, but I never really understood where that lack of peace and that lack of uh, strength and, and where that stress and tension came from. But now I understand. Moral compasses are good. Yeah. A compass is good to show you where true north is. Yeah. But I think a lot of people get too hung up on their moral compass because... If you were using your compass as a guide to get you to true north, it'll point you to true north. Yeah. But Abraham Lincoln once said in his strategy about, uh, about defeating slavery in the United States in the 1860s, it's all right to have a compass that points to true north, but the compass doesn't know how many swamps and chasms and rivers and cliffs yeah. are between you and the destination. Mm. So sometimes you have to deviate from true north in order to get to where you need to go. And I think a lot of people are way too rigid. And I think there are times when I've been way too rigid. And um, I've, I've, got a, uh, I've got a saying that I use a lot with people about conflict, and it's if you keep knocking on the front door and you don't get an answer, then go around to the back door and knock on the back door. Oh. So sometimes you've got to yeah. deviate. And there are lots of things in life that cause us to do that. And um, even true north to a pilot is useless as far as navigating by unless he knows what the magnetic variation is in the area that he's flying over. Yeah. Because there's a magnetic polar variation to the magnetic North Pole and the true North Pole. Mm -hmm. And we have to apply that variation in our navigation to get from A to B. Now, that's true about life too. Sometimes we have to make allowances for where people are at. Well, this is the difference between living as a legalist and applying God's law of love in relationships. You know, that's what you're talking about, really. Yeah. Um, what I was talking about is that when your life isn't aligned with your moral compass, there's going to be stress. Yeah. And I think a lot of people out there have stress in their lives because their lives aren't lined up with their moral compass. Yeah. 
Now, the thing is that the moral compass doesn't know, like Abraham Lincoln said, what swamps and rivers there are on the way to true north. That's only the Spirit of God. That's yeah. That's only Christ that can do that and lead you the, along the right path in your life. And you've got to skirt around the swamp sometimes, and, and the journey might go in all sorts of directions. So that's why we've got to be... Uh, the more self-aware you are of your own failings uh, and your own journey, the more grace and compassion and kindness you'll be able to show other people on their journey, recognizing that they're skirting around their own swamps that might be different to yours. And like the sign you've got on your driveway there as you come up here, no no judgment past this point. I thought that was no trespassing. No, it says no judgment past this point. No Glenn. judgment beyond this point. Yes. Yeah. Did you notice that sign's actually a bit crooked? No. I made it crooked deliberately to see whether anyone was going to judge my installation of it. Oh, okay. Everything no. else is dead straight here, though. <laughs> yeah, pretty much sometimes. But look, at the end of the day, if we don't make ourselves aware of who we really are and what we stand for, and how we apply that in our lives, we are going to keep going around in circles. Yeah. There are times when um, in a military aeroplane, for example, World War II bomber, the pilot is in command. There was a squadron in, in the RAF called the Pathfinder Squadron, and they were an elite group of crews that used to fly ahead of the main bomber formations and light up the targets at great risk. And they had to be ultra-skilled at what they did. And my friend's father was a wing commander in the Royal Air Force. as an Australian guy in secondment. He was a navigator on the lead Pathfinder aircraft in the squadron. Mm-hmm. But the guy in command of the aeroplane was a sergeant. He was the pilot in command of the aeroplane. So the, um, the navigator had to call advice to the pilot, even though he outranked him. Mm-hmm. And that's very true in life. Sometimes the advice that we need to get can come from the most unlikely sources or the most illogical sources. You've got to be listening. Yeah, you've got to be listening. Now, the pilot sergeant was also within his rights to counteract what the wing commander told him to do because he was at the controls. Um, The wing commander might have said, you know, steer this course. And the pilot was looking out the window and seeing the flak batteries active in that area and decided not to go that way because they wouldn't have gotten through. Uh, I know that at times at work when I've been in situations that required everyone to contribute because we needed to solve a problem, sometimes a key piece of information came from the most junior member of the crew, not me as the captain. So a good leader and a, a person in life who is self-aware will always seek feedback from people he's involved with or she's involved with, no matter whether they're senior to them or more experienced than them or less experienced because sometimes the less experienced people don't have the complexities going on in their mind and they see the simple things that we miss that cause the puzzle not to be completed. Case in point, who would have thought all those years ago when you walked into the church in which which I was a senior elder, me having all these degrees in, you know, uh, religious stuff and and whatever. And And a three-piece suit. Three-piece suit and having been a Christian for so long that you from the great unwashed out there in the world, if I can, you know, say that, you know, with knowing very little about God coming in would so transform my life. Who would have known? Yeah, I guess, but, you know, that, that worked in reverse too. Yeah. So, Graham, what are the, some of the things that 
you've become self-aware of in the last few years about your life? Uh, that I used to be too self-reliant. Mm-hmm. I need to rely more on others and mainly God. I've realised that, I mean, I would love God to appear at the foot of my bed every day mm. with a list of things that I did yesterday that I could improve on. Graham, you did this yesterday, that sort of led you down this path. What I love about God too is he lets us make decisions and then when we screw it up, he can often take us from the position we found ourselves in back on course yeah. in a way that was even more beneficial than it would have been if we'd stuck to the course yeah. in the first place. So as much as I would love Jesus to appear at the bottom of my bed and say, you know, these are things you need to work on, I've realized that it's only through relationships God will speak to me through the friends that I choose. Yeah. So as much as I'd love him to materialize, he still does in my life through people like you, through my wife and through people who I, who I hold in high regard, whose accountabilities and opinions I trust. I want them to call me on my stuff. I want them to tell me. So if that's the case, if God is going to speak to me through the people I love and the people who love me, then I have to choose those people very carefully. Now, have you ever been to the Great Barrier Reef? Yep. Did you go snorkeling? Yes. Yeah, it's it's great up there, isn't Fantastic. it? Fantastic. Did you ever go scuba diving there? No. I never did either, but I've seen the footage. Mm. A lot of people in life are happy to snorkel on the surface. The people who get the real benefit of the Great Barrier Reef are those who don, don an aqualung and actually go down deep mm. and have a good look at it from down deep. And I think that's true about life. I want to be surrounded by scuba divers. Because everything else is a waste of time now. I don't have any time. My life's purpose is to develop my character, even if it's really hard. Even if it hurts me, no pain, no gain. And I've come to appreciate pain for what it really is. It's an opportunity to grow and to learn. Sounds like you've learnt quite a few things Mm. in your journey. Mm, Hurtful things. Um, Some of the things I've learnt or that I've become self-aware with in the last few years are that... I was a perfectionist, I was a legalist, and I was harsh and and demanding uh, with other people, and most of all with myself. I've also realised that, uh, related to that, for most of my life, I've been been controlling, never in an aggressive way, but um, in manipulative sort of ways. And that I've always justified myself, as we all do, I think, I justified my manipulation thinking that that was just good people skills, that I was good with people skills, you know, uh, good with people, getting them to do what I wanted and and so on and so forth. I did the same in my marriage and in my relationships with my children and, and, and with my friends. Another area that I've become self-aware of is I've become aware of the reasons for my pain, for the pain in my life. And when I got married, my wife still reminds me, and, and I have a chuckle, which she doesn't chuckle about it, but I have a chuckle. I used to think, and I told my wife, that I grew up in a perfect family. <laughs> <laughs> See? Uh, and uh, so, I've you know. I've never met someone from a perfect family before. You know? Well, there you go now. You've, you've met someone who thought they came from the perfect family. And I've become aware that my family was actually really broken so many levels and and that my brokenness comes from my my parents experiences and and how they tried their best in in given their experiences and in their brokenness um to to raise me and it comes from 
you know, the education I had and the sort of church environment I went into. And all of those things created expectations in me and created uh, worldviews that, uh, you know, there was a lot of good there, but ended up in a lot of brokenness in my life. And particularly the lack of acceptance and love from my father, a void that, that nothing could fill. This frustrated search for complete love and, and unconditional acceptance um, eventually led me into pornography as well. And so all these were things I could never have articulated because I didn't know them, I didn't understand them. Then, of course, the awareness that I'm fully loved and accepted by God, you know, just as I am. And that I can draw my identity from him, even if sometimes I feel that the whole world has rejected me. And then, of course, the awareness and the revelation, even though I've always felt like an outcast, the feelings aren't true. Actually, I am loved and appreciated by a whole stack of people. You know, it's not because of my education or because of what I do for a living or, floral shirt. or wisdom or anything like that. It's they love me, or the floral shirt. Thank you for noticing. I love the appreciation, as you know. It's not for any of those things, but it's because they actually appreciate me. Right? I was never able to accept other people's love because I couldn't love myself. Right? And these are all really deep revelations of self-awareness that, that you know, I can't give credit to myself. It, yeah. It's God. And it's been a slow journey. It's been a painful journey. And you know what? I'm not there yet. None of us are, are we? No, Elian, I told you this experience that I had last week that I was working away here on the property and uh, I had this overwhelming urge to look at pornography. Mm. I mean, I, I, I'd fallen for the trap of going to YouTube to get some advice on how to strip a gearbox on my tractor. And You'd think you'd be safe. You'd think you'd be safe. But one of the guys who knows how to do this has put a YouTube video up and in order to get everyone to watch his YouTube video, he's got his girlfriend in next to nothing in some skimpy bikini. And that drew my attention and I lingered too long. Um, I watched the video. I watched the first few minutes where she was parading around and then we got into the nitty-gritty of what the video was all about and I just was very hard to concentrate and I had this overwhelming churning in my belly and and it was terrible. And um, I was praying and praying and praying for God to take it away and it didn't go away, it didn't go away and I thought, why isn't he answering my prayer? And then the pain got so bad because I don't want to ever go back there again. The pain got so bad that this little voice in my thinking said, you've got to go and tell Michelle, go and tell your wife, quick, find her, seek her out. And she was somewhere on the property and I found her. And she was about to go and do something and I said, no, I need to sit down with you for a minute. And she said, all right, she understood straight away. And we sat down and I said, I've got this overwhelming urge to look at pornography. I want your help. Best thing I could have done. Mm-hmm. Best thing I could have done. So I was praying for God to take it away from me and he didn't just remove it like flicking his fingers, some magical thing. He actually got me to be honest and accountable and tell my wife. Mm-hmm. And he used her mm. to take the urge away. Yep. So that has increased my self-awareness again. I know what the triggers were. Mm-hmm. I recognise the triggers. I can't always say that they're not going to be there in my life. The triggers will always be there. But what I do with them is where I'm going to grow. Mm-hmm. And being honest and accountable about it is the only way I know to do that. Mm. 
And in doing that, everybody gains because in doing that, she had a conversation with me about her insecurities, which I, which helped me, enabled me to learn something about her that I wasn't completely mm. aware of. Mm. So it was a mutual benefit thing that I love in the way that God handles our honesty and our and God creates the awareness mm. that we need, the real awareness, the true awareness that we need. Mm. Um, to grow and to heal and to get better. and You know, you've changed a lot since I first met you. Mm. You were very uptight back then. Was I? Yeah. I was in a foreign environment when you met me. I know, but yeah, in a church. Yeah. But you were very uptight. Was I? Yeah, you're so much mellower, more really? mellow. And comf- I thought you were the uptight And one. comfortable and at peace these days. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was in the middle of a lot of stuff back then it's a good direction we're traveling in isn't it great it is yeah and it's only made better by the fact that we actually talk about real stuff as friends well that's what we do in these podcasts yeah people think these are scripted yeah they're not no it would be like acting <laughs> yeah that's right we're, the things we say are actually stupid because we are actually stupid no yeah it's well, too much self-awareness yeah maybe. too much self-awareness yeah okay yeah Probably wrong self-awareness there. Yeah. No, the things we say um, come out the way they do because they're authentic. We're just chatting. Yeah. Yeah. That's the way to go. Well, we'll do it again next time. So if that's the way to go, maybe we should go. We should. Catch you later, mate. Yeah. Love you, brother. Love you too. Bye. Cheers. Bye. Mates in Courage, brought to you by Good News Unlimited. To sign up for Graham and Ellie's daily spiritual message emails about recovering from addictions, hurts and hang-ups, visit goodnewsunlimited.com. To book Graham and Ellie for talks, get in touch at the same website. And if you're troubled by anything you've heard, please call Lifeline on 13 11 14 or an equivalent service in your own country. Thanks for listening. Mates in Courage. Catch you in the next episode.